Hello, welcome to We Don't Talk About the Weather, political discussion from the outside may just look like screaming and crying. I'm Adam and this is Hugh. <laughs> and we're here to talk about news and politics. <laughs> yeah. um, we're recording this a week in advance because I'm going on holiday. Yep. Um, so I assume Boris is gone. Yes, resigned. Boris has resigned and left the country. Um, I imagine. Where would he go? Has he given up his American passport? Argentina. (laughs) (laughs) Because he was talking. I'm sure he was talking about giving up his American passport because of having to pay double tax. (laughs) Oh, he'd be in America in a shot. Yeah, he'd do a Dan Hannon and a Nigel Farage. To be fair. Yeah, yeah, he would. Easy. A Piers Morgan. Oh yeah, he rake it in. Yeah, yeah. Are they? Yeah. But yeah, so yeah, Boris is an idiot and a racist, and everyone knows this. And it seems the thing is, I was just talking before we started recording, it does seem that he has learned from Steve Bannon to not say sorry. And that's the amazing power of the mind of Steve Bannon. Yeah. Don't say sorry when you're in the wrong, because you can always fill up your hot tub with acid. <laughs> I was just seeing You've heard it. The, yeah, the yeah. House of all the acid. <laughs> you can always Put a padlock on one of the doors. <laughs> Put on another shirt. <laughs> a lot of people kind of... <laughs> no one will know. <laughs> as he just flakes yeah. his way through life. Um, yeah, Boris, what did he, where did he write? Was it in the Times? or? It's one of the ones that begins with a T that's run yep. by Tories. Cool. I have no, I have, there is no difference in my head between the, the Tory Times and the Tory Graph. <laughs> the two Tatesmen. Um... <laughs> <laughs> the two European. <laughs> yeah. uh, he wrote uh, things like like the typical things you've heard about uh, women, uh, Muslim women who wear burqas, saying they look like mailboxes and all the all the kind of bank like robbers. bank robbers. Yeah, shitty easy slurs well, from like two thousand and two. Let's face it. What was quite genius is it was in an article saying that he was not in favour of a ban. So it's like I'm being nice, but while being nice. Being mean and racist. Well, it fits with the Tory brand because it's like, well, we're we're not going to, you know, establish Islamophobia through state-run diktat. No. We're going to encourage you to produce your own homegrown... (laughs) We're just going to encourage Tommy Robinson... Muslim race hate. ...to tear the hijabs off you in the street. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, it... it, You can't trust a fucking thing with Boris. Boris Boris is... beyond spent and you can you can talk like people like liberals can talk about like him using this or he had the conversation with great mind half a book steve bannon (laughs) um as in he's read half of every book he's ever started um and he's come up with this genius plan of becoming the british trump but trump wasn't in politics uh on a formal level Mm. for 20 years Mm. Before he started to do this, he wasn't ousted from his position because he was so fucking terrible. Hmm. He hadn't invested a load of time and in positions that he would have to seriously defend later. He's not. He's not Trump. Nobody took Trump seriously. So now, when Trump like says, like when Trump used to say, "I was in," he was pro-abortion, hmm. right? He was um, pro-choice, and then comes out and says, "No, life is sacred, pro-life." Blah, blah, blah. Like, that's not some kind of about face. I mean, we've got a degenerated political discourse anyway, but that's mm. not some, some kind of about face that he's going to get punished for, Trump. Mm. Boris will. Boris made his, like, modern progressive Tory bones being supposedly, like, the diverse, the diversity-loving mayor of London. Yeah, and he, that is, he loves all of them because he loves 
He loves every single race in London because he has he gets to use so many of those slurs. Yeah. There's so many words that he learned from old Kipling books. <laughs> so many words. One of the worst things in my life was just after um, David Cameron got in and Michael Gove and that, well, they were talking about redoing education. And Michael Gove was wading into like the teaching of history. And he, they, uh, David Cameron started talking about our, our island story which was like an old mm. imperial era book that told you about all these different countries and told you about like the savages of New Zealand and mm. how the white man, you know, colonized and civilized them. Um and he said it was his favorite book and then I saw it on like the front bestseller shelves at Waterstones. Which was one of the worst moments of my life. Uh like intellectually, I think. <laughs> but he's done that for so long. He's yeah. he's like nobody believes a word he says oh, no. he's he's so spent he's so like degraded in his standing that like nobody thinks he's funny no. nobody thinks he's like charming or he's an outsider anymore all of that mystification has gone completely well, it's hard to maintain that level of mysticism when you were mayor for like close to a decade it's probably more difficult in the British system than it is the American system because in the American system you can duck out and in mm. from being a public and then a like in inverted commas private personality mm. much more easily you know Mitt Romney if he gives up his senate seat and like loses a presidential run goes back to being a super a super rich businessman yeah. and can comment from there Trump exactly the same thing more exaggerated but exactly yeah, the same thing definitely. in Britain you have to become part of the state yeah. your cabinet responsibility means you have to defend a load of things you have to become that figure and so for better or for worse it does somewhat prevent that kind of um, cult of personality I suppose mm. around people because there is no you're tired of every politician after it's if Corbyn gets in People like the contradictions will pile up, and people will be who are supportive of him now will probably be tired at the very least tired of him after five years. That's just natural, yeah. That's you how know, it works. that's how it works because you have to identify with the state in that way in, mm. the, in this system. You know, it's he's so he's so tied to it, like, mm. it, it, he can't go from being home secretary to being a radical outsider saying the things that. Uh, sorry, not Home Secretary, Foreign, foreign Secretary. secretary. Yeah. Uh, he can't go from being Foreign Secretary to being a radical outsider mm. telling home truths. and Like, I've been around this country and I've had an epiphany. I suddenly see yeah. the things that other politicians are too scared or blind to see. You can't do that. No. You have been a top cabinet member for a bit, you know, about two years. But, yeah. But, you yeah. know, he's been around for a long But he's... And he, yeah. 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 But, yeah. So that mm. I try to think if there's anything else. That's, like, that's, like, that's the one that's been kind of uh, that anti-Semitism thing still going on, and we're not going to talk about it. No. Um, Maybe we'll do a full because, like, no. Have we? Have we ever actually? I know we're talking about it now, but like, have we ever? I think we might. Have. We did it when when I think we did, I, 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 we did it with Ken, didn't we? And we talked a lot about like anti-Semitic stuff, and and we did we did a thing about cranks as well, like yeah, the kind of weird. The weird kind of non-analytic fringe of the of the left. Yeah, but maybe we'll come back to it and in, I, after I, conference and talk about it because there might be something announced or done then. Usually, when there's a story like that, I I try and like give it its proper due and like think about it a lot. Just like sit in a room and think about it and mm. whatever, and sit on a tube when I'm on my way to work and think about it. 
I've read a lot about it, but mm. I haven't thought anything about it in weeks. No. And nobody has. Nobody has found some you brand new like angle on it. No, it's because it's turned it's turned from a like a kind of intellectual thing to a power thing and a, a, a an influence thing and a hegemony ultimately thing and it's it's a it's a nasty little fight when nobody's learning anything and mm. I just I I don't even know what more we could no. spend too long on it already. I yeah. don't know what more we can add. Anyway. Yeah. Um, um, mm-hmm. what else could happen? Um, actually, no, I was about to say maybe but, um, because of it being recorded a week early, maybe Galloway will be in the Labour Party in a week. And it's like, oh, no, no, Galloway's going to have a wrestling entrance at conference. And it's like, <laughs> oh my God, that's Galloway's music. What would Galloway's wrestling music be? Vince right. McMahon. Um, actually, yeah, it'd be Vince McMahon's <laughs> music. Just no, no chance, dude, dude. He'd and he'd walk it. in with that arrogance. He'd have that. Oh, no, be um, no, it would just be Eric Bischoff. It would <laughs> be I'm back. <laughs> do, do, do. <laughs> I'm back. I'm better than never. And everyone would boo him. Yeah. <laughs> Galloway. Rickety, Galloway. Rickety Galloway. <laughs> like with as many bad takes in his past and opinions and actions in his past. As like when Kevin Nash came out on his bad knees. <laughs> we were talking about this last night. Mm. Uh, somebody, it was, I think it was only one tweet, but I saw there's always the kind of background hum of people going, oh, you know, George, get back in the Labour Party. Yeah. Since Tony Blair unfairly like excommunicated him. Mm. And it's like, aside from the fact that, yeah, he shouldn't have been chucked out for what he did. But he sure as fuck shouldn't be let back in no. because he's a fucking liability, an mm. egotistic liability. Um, the Labour Party's got enough of them. Well, aside from anything, on a pure strategic level, like what does it bring? One of the things he said in response to like people tweeting about it during the week was like, uh, oh, I, I, I don't need to be in the Labour Party to influence it because I've got so many people listening to me and like I've got like a, just such a huge audience. And it's like, what tactically or strategically do you bring to the Labour Party? Hats. A massive collection of hats. As a a contrasting, well, slightly contrasting example. Yeah. um, Like, Ken Livingstone brings the fact that he was a successful mayor of London. He's got name recognition. These are all things that are stupid and, like, ultimately PR-led, but also do have a concrete effect. Mm. What does Galloway bring? Hats. I mean, that sweet collection of hats can only go so far. You know, if we're predicting a Labour landslide, we're looking at, you know, 300, 400 separate hats. Can you say he really has 300, 400 hats? I don't think so. No, I don't think he has that many hats. And, you know, he has has gone on record as not believing in hats, and uh, especially when people claim to have hats, uh, specifically saying that the thing that they were describing as a hat was not actually a hat. (laughs) Yeah, no, Galloway has no place in the party at all. Yeah, he's a, he's a, he's a, he's, a, he's he's less worthless to the Labour Party as it is exists now. Yeah, well, he's a liability to the left as it is now. Mm. But yeah, anyway, so let's go into our main. Yeah, um, we I, I didn't really we, we kind of this is two podcasts in two days. Mm. The uh, the hardest thing anyone can do, mm-hmm. um, much harder than fighting a fire, um, being in war. Mm. Um, you know, the anniversary of D-Day's just gone. And, you know, I for for me, they were only on that beach for a day. Mm. Yeah, we were on... We were, we'd been in this kitchen recording, this hot, stuffy kitchen, for two... Oh, literally two consecutive days. Yeah. Um, so we decided to get 
talk about something that we talk about a lot, but that is possibly, given that we have just over a year of podcast, well, a year and a half of podcasts, a pretty self-indulgent thing to do. (laughs) And we're going to talk about our hometown. Yes. (laughs) Uh, The town I was, the towns I was born in Mm. and that we were both raised in, Mm. the Medway Towns. Beautiful Medway Towns. Yes. Um, Background for people who don't know. Yeah. The closest you might remember it is that Mark Reckless was the MP and stood down to go with to UKIP. UKIP. And it was the... Emily Thornberry did a tweet of a white van in front of a house with an England flag on it. Mm. And that was in Strood, where I'm from. Mm. That was taken Strood and she had to resign for the tweet. That's like the nearest most significant political thing that's happened there for a while for, for a long time yeah, yeah. well some um, the Bedway towns it's like a collection of three towns that act like a city well uh, four towns Strood oh, yeah. Rochester I Chatham Gillingham I always forget about Strood yeah no you were uh, right to yeah um, but yeah Rochester Strood Chatham and Gillingham yeah who they exist in kind of a smear mm-hmm. um, around the river Medway and along a bit um, yeah, north coast of Kent. Yeah, and there, it's a weird place because of mm-hmm. the fact that it's like essentially a city. They've got their own. They're like not part of Kent County Council. Mm-hmm. They haven't been for a long time. It's Medway Council. They are a unitary authority. Yeah. Yes. Um, they have their own council. I imagine, for the same reason that when we were at school and they started a new house for um, it, when after <laughs> we've been there for a year. And all the problem kids from every other house got put into the new house. Yeah. And in, that's very much the reason why Medway Council is separate from King County Council. <laughs> um, it's, yeah, it's a strange place that used to be quite a booming success. Yeah, I there mean... used to be a lot of money. Yeah. Stuff, because there was a lot of things like, historically, there's a bridge. <laughs> it's which, not, there's back, a, there's a the little olden, bit more than a bridge. It's been consistently occupied since Julius Caesar. <laughs> but that bridge is important. <laughs> it has, the core is the old town, uh, Rochester, which yeah. it's got a big old castle, a very, very old castle. Nor- <coughs> like, um, I think it was one of the first Norman castles built in Britain. might have seen the film with James Purefoy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Ironclad, starring James Purefoy. Yeah. Uh, which was not filmed there, I believe. It was filmed in Czechoslovakia. <laughs> the closest thing you could get to <laughs> Medway. Um and it's got um, a huge cathedral, um, which means it has its own bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, that's the the posh bit. Later on, it be, uh, Chatham, which was uh, which was a uh, the town right next to it, um, has a very large dockyard. Lots of ships built there, like HMS Victory, um, Nelson's flagship at Trafalgar was built there. Um, a lot of other kind of it used to be like a, a dockyard, like a, a refitting station mm. for the navy. Um, Huge kind of industrial employment, largely centred around the dockyard. Yeah. Like Strood, the kind of the, it's not even really a separate town. It's just on the other side of the River Medway um, from Rochester, but it's uh, that was built, you know, to house dockyard workers, um, and it was yeah, a, like it had solid like, I mean, military based working class and then Gillingham as well. Employment, had, yeah, had more of the day. There's like I think that's where the naval base is now just on the edge of Gillingham and there's a there's a barracks there yeah there's Brompton the Royal Engineers I think it is yeah yeah um and that's more spillover yeah it's like a lot of army a lot of navy yeah and then so like 
I moved there in, I think it was around 1991. Okay. Um, and by the time I moved there, and even by the time you were born, the Medway towns had died. Yeah. Like a lot of, hey, you know the story. Mm. Uh, a, ta- a, a, a town or an area is based around a certain industry, and that industry gets shut down, and it the unemployment rate spirals... And the place kind of becomes a lot darker and a lot more like violent and like shitty to live in. But the weird thing is, it's, it, when there's no traffic, I can drive the, drive to my mum's in about half an hour. From here? Yeah. Which, it's, that's the weird thing, it's so close to London. I, yeah. The dockyard was closed in 1984. Thatcher's uh, government had some kind of military review and they closed down the dockyard. It closed in 1984. I was, I was born in Chatham, but uh, my parents aren't from there. They moved there. Um, it clo- the dockyard closed in 1984 um, unemployment rose to about 20% just overnight yep. um, it ha- it, like, I think various I've looked at these before but various deprivation levels it was roughly uh, the equivalent of um, like mining towns mm. in the north that had been shut down but it's it's weird in that it whenever I say I'm from Medway and I explain where it is and people say you're from Kent People have a particular thing because it's the southeast. Yeah. Um, you hear you hear the southeast and you think either London, or you think like leafy rural idylls, Tunbridge Wells, you know, like uh, Sussex, mm. Berkshire, those like those kind of places. Um, Medway Towns was different because it just it was very built up, very industrial, and it all got ripped away. Mm. Um, by I think it was uh, early late nineties, early two thousands. It had a literacy level somewhere on a par with Southern Mississippi. Um, uh, there was some Americas of the Rochester and Street by election in mm. two thousand and fourteen. Mm. Um, there were there were some like American articles, mm. like American newspapers did articles on Rochester and Street, which was a really weird, That's a, weird thing, yeah. a weird thing to like see your hometown. But like the other thing, I think there's that I was kind of thinking about when we decided to do Medway was like, there's a lot of, a lot of people are proud from the town they come from. And there's a lot of places you can identify with particular stereotypes and particular like mythologies Mm. that they tell themselves. Like I'm thinking of places like Liverpool, Mm. Newcastle, Birmingham, those for for, like, how, how, like I don't know how truthful it is, but, Somehow their sense of place and their pride, their civic pride, is based around a thing. Hmm. It's based around a, a certain a certain thing. And like, I don't know what Medway was like when the dockyard was still open, but I have never, I can't identify any particular like feeling of civic pride. I've never, I've never had anybody like, f- if you're talking shit about uh, hmm. Medway. I've never had anybody like actually try and fight you, you know, oh, in no. that way that like I don't know anyone that what the fuck were you saying about Manchester? You know, yeah. like, I don't know. Um, yeah, well, like I moved there because so like my mum and dad had split up, mm. and my mum was working in addiction, and yeah. she needed she wanted a place. It was just me and her, and she wanted a place where she'd essentially have a steady job for life. Yeah, a nice steady job. So the the story she says is it came down to a decision between Glasgow and Chatham. <laughs> and the assumption was that if we moved to Chatham, 
I'd have a, a nice Kentish upbringing rather yeah. than growing up in the middle of Glasgow. Um, I think within a first week of us being there, she realised that <laughs> the Medway Towns was not mm. Kent. Um, but it's, it exists in this black spot. I mean, even the most recent kind of uh, coverage of Medway has been about um, where to like articles on where to move if you're going to move out of London and buy a house. Yeah, Chatham comes up a lot in that. It because... comes up a lot in the last two years, and they always mention the same things, which is Medway is forty minutes from London. Mm. Why has it been such a black spot? Mm. You could still buy houses. I think like the average house price is like two hundred and fifty grand at the minute in Medway, average across the whole area. Mm. I was about to say that my mum's about to sell her house and it's going for significantly less than that. Up until probably 10 years ago, you could get houses for like 100 grand. Mm. Like, easy. like mm. And not bad houses either. Mm. Like, it's... But th- that description of it as like a, a a black hole, a black spot, kind of outside of the, the consciousness of kind of people, that, that does kind of ring a bit true. Mm. Because it doesn't feel like it's a place that has... Like I will, I will defend it just because of it's where I'm from and it's where I have a lot of memories about it. But mm. I don't feel that that strongly about it. Anything you can say about it is probably going to be roughly true. Yeah, you know any shit thing you say about um, it. The main reason I'd, I, the only reason I'd defend it is it's not their fault. Mm. It it's had an incredibly bad series of things happen to it. Yeah, um, the shutting down. Of the docks and the shipyards, that's yeah. You can like this. It's still very much wears it. Yeah, like they like the shipyards have all been um, like a lot of the big docks have um, and the shipbuilding houses. Well, they were, like, the giant warehouses where you build a ship, yeah. the dry docks and all that kind of shit. A load of them have become things now. They've yeah. been like turned into like outlet shopping centers and bowling alleys and things like that. Yeah. But there's always this thing. I remember as a kid, there's this bit. There's um. I think it's Brompton Walk. Yeah. Might be wrong. There's a road that goes all the way down to the dockyards. Mm-hmm. And along the road, on this beautiful old brick wall, there's the names of housing estates in the wall. Yes, I and know that's what where you the mean. old yeah. buses would, would queue up. Um, but as long as I was there and aware of it, there was, no buses would go down there because it was a dead zone. Yeah. And there was a lot of little bits like that. Like, oh, you can't go there. Yeah. Um, and there's... I've never felt more malice on the streets. That's something that I like identified when I moved away to uni. I moved yeah. to like uh, Lincoln, and one of the things that I um, like immediately felt was like it's not. I don't think that it's necessarily a more violent place, but just like the kind of over yeah, like you say, overwhelming sense of like malice and like like shittiness. Like people would just be shitty to you. Mm. Just um, because. The estate where, my, where I grew up and where my mum still lives, I got beaten up a lot. Mm. Um, a lot, a lot. Yeah, yeah. And, like, the last time anything of note happened there was there were bored 10-year-olds setting fire to cars. Yeah, yeah, that happened in Strood as well. Yeah. Um, and that's, like, quite a... There's so much bored... There is nothing there. It's yeah. a huge place. There are a lot of people living there. Yeah, and there is nothing. I think it's about I think it's about two hundred eighty thousand at the last, like across the four towns, mm. two hundred eighty thousand. It's something like the seventeenth largest urban conurbation or twenty fourth mm. largest urban conurbation in Britain, mm. which is sort of mad mm. because there's nothing there. Um, it 
I kind of like I was reading um trying to remember a, a bit from an Owen Hatherley book I was reading um I actually can't even remember the the name of the book now but um he describes kind of Southampton in similar terms um Southampton or Plymouth uh Southampton which is where he's from that's it yeah um and like with Southampton, I still got the feeling that it was more of a more of an, uh, a normal like identifiable town. And I've like spent time in the Midlands, and Midlands towns have their own characteristics, largely I like like largely based on what they're not. Hmm. So Nottingham is not Derby, <laughs> you know. Uh, Birmingham is not Wolverhampton, hmm. or you know the Black Country, yeah. and vice versa. They have like local rivals. Hmm. Medway doesn't have anything that it identifies as like its local rival i don't itself. think itself yeah chatham doesn't like gillingham and shrew doesn't like rochester but even then even then that's not such a a huge thing like if anything the medway towns as a whole is it's like feels like it, fe- it always felt like it was its own enemy yeah you know it was like that was the yeah the thing is as well all this stuff we we have left we left there a long time True. ago and you go back more than i do mm-hmm I my family still lives still lives in. So does mine. I don't want to say that. But yeah, I'm sure that a lot of our experience of it was coloured by our school. Yeah, sure. We had a weird kind of school as well. Um, like the Kent was one of the few areas that's where the eleven plus. Um, when we were going through mm. primary school, where the eleven plus actually got you like a selection of schools, like mm. you had gra- selective grammar schools, basically. Mm. Um, loads. You didn't um, you didn't pay to go to them, but you did take like the eleven plus, mm. and if you passed it, you got to go to a grammar school, and if you didn't, you got a choice of like comp- like uh, comprehensive schools. Yeah. Um, and we both went to a grammar school that was based in Rochester and had like a really long, like a 300 year history mm. that kind of treated itself like a public school yeah. in many Very ways. Yeah. Um, except it had, like I knew people from Strood who like were like pretty poor, pretty hard up, their mm. families and, and that, and they were going to this school and it just, they didn't, they didn't make any kind of allowance for that. And it's, I remember Alan Moore like describes it one time where it's like you don't realise people are a different class from you until you get to secondary school. Mm. And then you realise that not everybody lives in the same kind of house. Yeah. Not everybody has the Probably. same kind of family life, you know? Yeah. It's a and that's that's that was pretty stark at the school we went to, I think. Yeah. Um But that was like the reason why we ended up because other other than that, I like I remember up until I was eleven, I didn't go to Rochester. I still I said in chat. I didn't go to Gillingham that much, which was the town on the far side. Yeah, um, the only time I went to Gillingham was um, after I dropped out of uni and I was working with my stepfather as a plumber. Yeah. And did a lot of work in Gillingham because there's an awful lot of really, really horrible, untrustworthy landlords and lots of disgusting, scummy work. Yeah, my, my sister lives in um, Gillingham now and like the state, the housing stock that most people can afford has declined hmm. significantly. Um, like, it, it, I, I went around a lot of, like I say, Midlands towns like Nottingham, Lincoln, Derby, uh, Birmingham, and there you could see that there were, like, old council houses and old terraced housing that had been brought up to code in a reasonably decent way. Yeah. Had been renovated cheaply, but, like, it was fine. Hmm. Um, 
that does not seem to have happened in Gillingham. Like the houses are fucking falling it's, apart. It's, like, it's a particularly wet climate as well, so mold is a, oh, gotcha. a big problem. Heating generally is a big problem, but there there has been no care in like updating any of those old houses. I remember the, it's not uncommon, like if you're doing like property maintenance work, mm. to come into contact with asbestos. Mm-hmm. That being said, if I was doing if we were doing work in Gillingham, you yeah. are guaranteed, guaranteed for me to just. For my stepfather to go, ah, oh, that's asbestos, and then me to leave the place and just go, <laughs> nope, I'm going out here, we're leaving, I'm not doing anything anywhere near it. Despite what's happened now in America, the EPA said it's Oh, fine. yeah, the EPA in America, yeah. I don't God. trust it. Yeah, because no. I, I, I think it was 19, I would have been 19 or 20 when my stepfather shoved a screwdriver into a bit of insulation and then popped it, and asbestos went everywhere in our lungs, and he's like, that's asbestos. And I am still nervous that I'm going to die of <laughs> asbestitis. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's a weird... It's a weird place, because like our friends... Are, like our main friend who still lives around there, hmm. um, his family were from there. Yeah. And talking to his dad, his dad and their friends' experience of the Medway Towns was so different to ours, because they grew up in its heyday. Yeah. Like almost that when it was at its best. Yeah, I I, I was looking at one of the things I quite like to do as I'm getting older. So naturally, you turn into like a parody of yourself. Yeah. So I go from like, like doing like history MA to looking on local history forums. Yep. I'm just preparing for the day, you know, when I retire. I you like move back I, to Medway. I move back a to local Medway. Historian, and you write about a specific street. <laughs> yeah. Buy a classic car, you know, all the all the traditional like self self publish it in the local bookshop. Yeah, it's just a it's just a pamphlet yeah. on the front desk. Mm. It's two quid. Um, <laughs> I've got so many of those. At home. <laughs> um, um, and you look on the like the Kent History forums, and it's mostly like old soldiers old kind of people who used to work at the dockyard oh, old, old sailors me, that forum you sent me yesterday of all those sailors and them talking about like going out in Medway um, in the kind of 60s and 70s um, mm. going to like the local shopping centre where there was a strip club mm-hmm. <laughs> called Van Dam's <laughs> that was a thing like I don't know about other places but there was an awful lot of pubs that had strippers mm-hmm. in the Medway towns like yeah. I remember, I think there was, for a long time, it was pretty much every pub that was near the river mm-hmm. had exotic dancers written in multicoloured chalk. Yeah. Specifically the star. On a weekday. Yeah, the star, I think it was on a Tuesday they'd have exotic dancers. <laughs> I remember once um, at the command house um, with our friend Matt, of us drinking in the middle of the day mm-hmm. and the strippers arriving in the middle of a weekday while we were just drinking our unemployment checks. It's, it's, it's like, that's the kind of overwhelming sadness of the place. No one wants to see a stripper on a Tuesday afternoon. The kind no, of person really. that does, there's a lot of issues there. Yeah. Is it kind of like a... Do you reckon it's kind of a let's just carry on doing the same kind of things and catering to the same kind so. of? I think so. I think like after clientele. the after the, the dockyard shut down and they and like you stopped having that sailor <laughs> um, custom. Yeah. 
I think there's an awful lot of pubs just disappeared like yeah. overnight they just fell apart yeah. but the ones that stayed kept with all those traditions you start asking where do the sailors hang out can you tell me where the sailors hang out <laughs> yes it's very yeah <laughs> um, yeah there's, there's still there's like a lot of the stuff that survived is very much going through the motions yeah yeah but it still had that like um, eccentric it did it, it does have has had and does have still quite like a community of eccentrics in that same way that like Soho does still has that like dwindling mm. but still present community of like artists and hippies and there's a few hippie shops on um like more than you would expect on Rochester High Street um you know that kind of mm. thing and of course like uh Medway is uh, probably, maybe, maybe it should be most famous for having the world's first weeaboo. Oh, William yeah, Adams, Gilling, um, Gillingham. Gillingham's own William Adams, who yeah, was one the... of the first English sailors, uh, went to Japan, uh, got made like an honorary samurai, and got yeah. to carry the two swords and everything. And then, in tradition, in Medway tradition, he left his wife here and started a new family. <laughs> yeah, he abandoned his wife. <laughs> yeah, um, it's a it's a story as old as time. Medway Downs of. Um, Man goes off looking for work, never <laughs> returns. Um, but yeah, there's him and there's Billy Childish. Billy, yeah, Billy Childish is probably maybe the second or third most famous person. Who's famous people from Medway? You got Billy Childish, who um, was an artist who Dickens was kind of involved. <laughs> Dickens lived there for quite a while. Great, great expectations there. He's actually he must be the most famous person from. Not from Medway, but who spent time in Medway. Mm. Uh, William Adams, uh, Billy Childish, who did art with um, who went uh, did did uh, Billy Childish, who did art with uh, Tracy Emin, and founded a kind of anti-young British artist movement in the nineties. Yeah. Um, Kelly Brook, she's from Chatham. She's from Rochester. No, she's from Chatham. She's from Rochester. She? She's from. She was from literally like. On the walk from the school down to um, to Chatham, she mm. was on that walk. She, lived, yeah. she was from the Dells. Uh, Gary Rhodes, that chef. Really? He's from. He's they from really started to scrape the barrel now. Uh, there, there are more. I, there's a guy in the 1900s. There was a guy who let who was born in Strood who went to Argentina and founded like their football league. <laughs> he like introduced a, like association football to Argentina. <laughs> And so, you know, is res- ultimately responsible for the glory for the glory that is Maradona. Which is funny because the kind of people from Medway who like football worst <laughs> yeah. despise Maradona. <laughs> Again, shown that Medway are their own worst enemies. <laughs> but the like the interesting thing is that when the dockyard closed down and hmm. uh, I I we grew up in that kind of that kind of shadow. Hmm. And having read Owen Hatherley's book at like his chapter on in his book about Southampton it seems like there was in Southampton a real effort to um like classy up the joint mm. um he's obviously like an architecture critic so he has a, he looks at a lot of buildings a lot of like housing and estates and things like that and there it does seem to be in more of a kind of concerted effort to I mean to do the same things that every other town does mm. like did in the 90s and 2000s yeah. to kind of bring up business yeah um, shopping centres, you know, the odd art gallery. Like, I think he, he goes on and on about, like, Southampton's cultural quarter, which he gets furious about. Um, I don't think there was that same kind of effort applied universally in Medway. Now, 
There is the art in Medway's always been weird because especially when we were young mm. and like in the nineties, Kayad was more much more of a thing. Yes. It's not Kayad yeah. anymore. I think it's part of Greenwich University. There mm-hmm. might be part it's something else. But the Kent Institute of Art and Design was very well respected. Yes, yeah. And that's where Tracy Emming came from. That's where she did all her stuff. Yeah. Um and it's amazing that there's less there. There wasn't any kind. Of, there wasn't that much spillover. It's because they didn't have to transplant it. Because, like I say, Rochester is an old Victorian heart of it. It still had like the Guildhall Museum, and mm. it had a couple of older art galleries that weren't really. They didn't really need to expand. They could just cater to whatever was already there. But they didn't also, need to transplant anything, like in the way that. Like, so they didn't need to, like, if you were going to Kyhead. Yeah. You didn't need to hang out in fucking Chatham. Get the train to London. Yeah, yeah. Which is one of the problems. You could just go. Yeah. Like, once we got to a certain age, it's we just all went we to wanted London. to do. We yeah. just went to London. You just wanted to get on a train and go to London. Like, yeah. That it, that's that is the bit where it kind of does. Uh, it probably sucks out most of the, like the stuff that would stay. I mean, not saying us because we would make anywhere we were living worse. But <laughs> like, I don't know if we naturally improve the no. I, I the claim, character I, of an area. I claim the increase in property prices in in Walthamstow. <laughs> That's all me. That's all me. That's all. People come to Walthamstow and they see me and my dog, and they're like, "I want to live here. I want to live here with that bloke with the like." The dodgy mohawk and the dog. <laughs> you're an Im- and his dog on a string. You're an inventive man. Your mind always racing for new schemes. Maybe I should get a bandana. <laughs> that house down the road has gone up by 50 grand since the last time they, they sold it. Maybe I should start wearing, you know, more leather. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. What tattoo do I get? <laughs> that, per- that person has got the builders in over the summer while they've gone on a month-long holiday. What tattoo should I get? <laughs> yeah, it's all me. <laughs> but... Yeah, there is that kind of like like that presence of London, especially London as it became in the nineties. Just in case you can to hear a dog, back in. a dog howling and barking, it isn't my dog. My dog is very happy and asleep. That's I think they can some... tell that it's outside. Yeah, I know, but it might sound like I've locked the dog outside, which I would never do. Which someone on my street has done, and it makes me very sad. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. So people just end up going to London. Yeah, like. It was the only place I wanted to go to mm-hmm. university, and when I went off to do my nurse training, it was definitely going to be London. I wanted to. I think I only applied. I, I applied to. Um, yeah, I only applied to London places. I ju- I just wanted to get away. I went as far away as I reasonably could, um, as would let me in. A lot of friends did. I went. I went to. Actually, I didn't even go as far as uh, like Matt did. Mm. Matt went to Sheffield, and I went to to Lincoln, but. Even when I'd finished doing my like uh, di- like my degree, um, I had kind of I was looking for masters. I wanted to kind of be a lecturer uh, or an academic or something, and I applied to a few places. Didn't get in because I didn't get a, a good as good a mark as I, I thought I was going to. Hmm. It wasn't quite enough to to get on like get funding and that that kind of thing. dissertation was complaining about Muslims and it's that left wing bias of British. <laughs> yes. <laughs> These days, elevated straight to the top, <laughs> um, saying things that that can't be said and yet are <laughs> over and over again. Uh, I wanted to take some time out. I was sick of Lincoln. Lincoln is also a very very small place. Mm. It's it's largely based around the university. I wanted to get away and. I had uh, I'd gotten together with my girlfriend, and 
we moved to Nottingham, which was a, a bigger town, and um, I was gonna. That's where I started my ten-year journey of taking minimum wage jobs, working my way up the ladder, and then leaving as soon as I, <laughs> as soon as I could. Um, but the option that wasn't on the table was me going back. Mm. I, I just wouldn't, <laughs> because no. there was no. There's the, unless you were going to become like an estate agent. Um, which increasingly became important, unless you were going to kind of... Like, the economy of the Medway towns now, I think it's just maybe starting to diversify enough that there might be something a bit... So, like something of an like an upward upward curve there. Cause I remember there's starting to be a bit of an upward curve when Greenwich opened their university campus, and mm-hmm. there started to be a lot more students around. Um, yeah. But even that was enough to save a bunch of the pubs. Mm-hmm. And also, there's bits that there's no way a student would ever go hang out yeah. around. And like when you see it come up in papers as like a really good place to move to. Yeah, there are people who do move um, buy a place in Chatham and then commute to London. Yeah, they don't go out in Chatham though. Yeah, yeah. There's there's always there's those waves of kind of house building each each time the council kind of announces a new scheme. This is going to be the one. When we were kids, it was Medway Valley. Mm. Um, there's marshes on the Strood side of the river. There's marshes all along the side. And one of the big projects when I was growing up was something called Medway Valley, which was like it's the chef chef kissing his fingers. New labour. Epitome of new labour. Yep, it was. A cinema. Yep. Um, a Frankie and Betty's. Yep. A McDonald's. Mm-hmm. A nightclub. Not TGI Fridays, it was the other one. Uh, there's a Chiquitos there now, but there was something called the Exchange Bar. That which was I've it, never the Exchange se- Bar. I've never seen that anywhere else. No. I um, don't think. Yeah, and there's the, a bingo hall. Oh, yeah, yeah, Gala and Bingo. Yeah, and the horrible nightclub, um, Amadeus. Yeah. Um, uh, excuse me, the incredibly successful Amadeus. Is it still uh, going or is it gone? Oh, no, it's long gone. Exactly. Long gone. But when, I was, like, when it first opened... They were doing things like bussing people in from Essex. Well, that's the thing. You have to, to go to you this. Have to bus people there because it was like yeah. in that proper new Labour way, they just dropped this thing there underneath the motorway bridge. Yes, underneath a huge motorway bridge. Yeah, that um, is loud. Yeah, but they just dumped it underneath it next to mud flats and marshland. Um, with one with one road, yeah, one small road going and from like, the main road. If you wanted to walk there, there were two. There were like three ways to walk there. If you're walking yeah. there from Rochester, you could walk across the motorway bridge. <laughs> if you're walking there from Strood, you had to walk like through a load of really nasty abandoned industrial estates, or you could walk across the marshes in the dead of night. Yeah, which a lot of people did. Yeah, we did. Yeah, <laughs> many times. Yeah. Um, there's also a, a nice Templar building in that on those marshes. You know, I lived in Strood for all of my childhood mm. up until I was eighteen, and I've never been to the Templar house. No, never been. It's in the middle abandoned. of an industrial estate. Yeah, it's just left abandoned for years and years and years. Yeah, it, apparently it's been done up again. There's yeah. also, um, but we missed like some like as teenagers, the mm-hmm. kind of teenagers we were of you know what do we like? We like metal and the occult. Yeah, we should have been in there. We could have had. We could have just been getting high and having like really terrible experiences in this horrible place. Did you ever? Did we ever? We didn't. Never went up to the Darnley Mausoleum. No, because that was another great place. Like Lord Darnley was a huge. You may recognise him from Elizabethan times. Um, it was like old, old aristocratic family that had fallen on hard times. But in the eighteenth century, one of the Lord Darnleys went mad. 
did uh, this huge uh, mausoleum in the middle of the woods, yeah. all this Masonic imagery on the side. And as long as I could remember, it was just a shell. Mm. Like there was none of the like heritage industry came in no. to do anything. It was just an open shell. And the, didn't they have to use? They had to put a lot of fences up because goths would break in. Eventually, they put up a lot of um, fences because you had kind of uh, like suburban goths and suburban satanists breaking in and like writing stuff on the walls and doing stuff on Halloween. And mm. that was that was the source of many many uh, urban myths <laughs> about that place. Yeah. Um, but like it's, but yeah, so they, it's got its like, character. It does have its character. But rejuven- like the rejuvenation that mm. places got when Blair got in. Mm. Those kind of, and it were like in theory, Medway is a perfect place for that. It's so close to London, unemployment through the roof, horrible drug problem. You know, there's a lot yeah. that you could do Ge- to fix it. Geograf- geographically, a lot of empty space. Yeah, a lot of wasteland. Well, yeah. not even like um, like natural natural like wilderness. Just Wasteland, hmm. yeah. Um, I remember there was, and yeah, very little was done. I remember mm. um, it would have been when we were older that there's a space behind Rochester Station where they were gonna turn it into houses, like mm-hmm. a load of houses on these big, bit, these big like grass fields next to the river. Yeah. But then the financial crash happened. Yes, of course. Yeah. And that just stayed empty, and then they built a new station. It stalled. They've started doing it again now, like further. Further along on the uh, on the Strood side, they've um, got this new plan to build a load of luxury flats because, as London has grown out of all proportion, as London housing has become more expensive, they've just discovered it. They've just about detoxified it enough mm. that it's a place that people would be willing to commute from, mm. and so the luxury housing bug mm. has bitten well into it. Like um, my my sister lives in Gilly- rents in Gillingham, and. Like her rents just for, just for like like, council housing and things like that have gone up so much. Like she's paying what I was paying in London for really cheap housing when I first moved here. Mm. Um, when I was like living in Hounslow over a flight path mm. under a flight path, and it's it's Gillingham. Last time I went to her house, I walked past a door that had. I don't know whether it was human or dog feces, <laughs> but just smeared smeared on there for for, yeah. for no reason. Yeah, like, it's all right. It's yeah, it's just it's a it's a bit fucked up. <laughs> yeah, I thought I always thought that like my parents um, always thought that there would be some kind of rejuvenation. Mm. Like as long as I've lived in London, they've been pretty much going like next year. Yeah, and. There are always like talks of little things, but not much seems to come of it. The last time I went down there was, um, and like being so much like, I've gone to London and I found someone in London to, mm-hmm. to marry, and the only reason I'll return is because my wife's pilot is being filmed. <laughs> and so, but um, North East London hasn't changed you. But yeah, so I went back and I, I wandered around a lot. Yeah, yeah, because I hadn't been there for a long time, and it didn't feel much different. If anything, it felt it felt tireder. Chatham felt. Way worse. Yeah, I think when we were growing up, like they did put there were there was a sh- number of shopping centres, mm. um, but it definitely feels like every other high street that I've lived in after like two thousand eight, where it was charity shops and things are closing down, and mm. it, it seemed yeah, you're right, it seems more tired. Mm. Definitely, definitely. Yeah. Um, 
The only, the biggest thing I think I remember happening to us was Blue Water. Yeah. Um, that was... Actually, before that, uh, it was Lakeside. But, um, there was but that was two too far after. away. That was too far away to be... It was too far away to be a pool, and that bus... I don't remember that bus being that regular. No, it's about as regular. Yeah. But anyway, there, yeah, it was like... um, There was... So, in the Medway Towns, you had the Pentagon Shopping Centre, mm-hmm. which, as we, as we did say, in the 70s, had strippers during the day. Yeah. Um, and you had um, the in-shops... Mm. in Chatham which was yeah not a nice place um, and like some indoor markets and stuff like that and then towards the Gillingham way you had Hempstead Valley Shopping Centre yes which you'd yeah. always have adverts for on the horrible radio station that played four songs on repeat all day yeah. every day yeah. um, but then those on the high streets really took a kick in especially Gillingham High Street yeah well, Gillingham took a, high, a like a proper hiding when Hempstead Valley opened up yeah. but all of it suffered when Lakeside and Blue Water opened up because Lakeside yeah. was a big shopping centre, like the first of the, its kind of bit of the British kind of like that big American strip. Out of, out of town, like enormous yeah. shopping centre. And um, Lakeside was just on the other side of the, of the Thames and it's was, in Thurrock and Essex, yeah. isn't it? Yeah. And then Blue Water was just on this side, on, on the Medway it's, side uh, of the Dar- Thames. In Dartford, in an old uh, tr- abandoned chalk pit. Yeah. Um, and these are huge places. Like if you've. They are gigantic. Blue, Blue Water, I think, at the time was the biggest before Westfield was the biggest shopping centre in Europe. Yeah, um, and I was lucky enough because where I lived was just off um, a main road, and it had a bus every fifteen minutes to go to Blue Water, which meant that I could try and get a job there. Hmm. I don't think. Oh, I did. I worked in a next warehouse for a summer. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that was another thing that properly killed. Yeah, the Medway Towns and the notion of being able to shop there. Mm. It was never, it was never stuff done for itself. It was always kind of shifting, shifting the problem. I mean, obviously, retail as it like plugging the sons and daughters of former like industrial workers into the retail sector and the service sector is a like well travelled mm. model for British capitalism mm. in the last twenty years, thirty years. Um, but it always felt like every. Everything that was done for it was designed to make you look elsewhere. Hmm. It was designed to kind of just pull you away from the rot that was in the middle. Hmm. You know, there was never a, like they talked a big game about like they never they never went as far as like that kind of thing that a lot of local MPs do, where they talk about the local spirit and and that kind of thing. I don't think I've ever heard a Medway MP. Talk in those terms. Maybe I haven't been paying attention, but I, mean, I imagine Bob Marshall Andrews probably did. Mm. He was like the MP for Rochester when we were kids. He was like the, he was the, the he was the, the kind MP of MP for Rochester who lived in like the fanciest house in Rochester. Yeah, he was like number one Castle Hill. It was like <laughs> out of one window you could see the castle and the cathedral, and the other window you could see the river. It was like yeah. such a big fancy house. Yeah, we used to we used to call it the Tower of Socialism. Yes, because <laughs> he was also like, aside from like Dennis Skinner and um, well, oh, Jeremy Corbyn and yeah. John McDonnell, he, he was the most. He was the most. That, yeah. He was the most left wing. He was quite. Uh, I think he isn't now. MP. He is very much not. He joined the Lib Dems. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, and he lives in the. Um, does he live in the Teletubbies house? 
he he now that. lives in Wales. In I'm not sure if it's the actual. It might not be the actual set hmm. of the Teletubbies house from the hmm. TV program, but it is a house modelled like that, built into a hill, like a Hobbit hole. Um, yeah, it's to like be fair, envi- I'd love to live in a Hobbit hole. Environmentally friendly, like solar power, all that jazz. Hmm. And he's that guy. That's kind of great. Which was weird because that's like a, a kind of, it's not the kind of impression he gave when he was an MP. Mm. He was like old, unreconstructed labour. Mm. Yeah, very much. You know? Um, but yeah, so you don't really, yeah, you're right, you don't really get people talking about the spirit of the place. But also, you know, you know, it's like the boundaries. The boundaries changing was a big issue. In yeah. The, like, especially Chatham. Because mm-hmm. Chatham's MP is MP for Chatham and Aylesford. And, have yes. you been to Aylesford? No. No. Which says a lot. Yeah. Um, for like two people who spent like nearly 20 years there. Yeah. Um, I've been to Aylesford once. <laughs> and I went there after I moved to London. Yeah. And I went there with a friend to pick up a wood-burning stove. <laughs> um, it's literally like across... Well, it's part of the same constituency. Yeah. But it's such a very different place. It's pro- It feels like Kent. Mm. It's there's thatched roofs. Yeah. Um and when the boundaries <clears throat> changed for Chatham to include all of that, suddenly Chatham went from being a rel- like a Labour place yeah. to being very much a conservative place. <laughs> um but yeah, that's you know, gerrymandering. <laughs> I quite I I liked living in Strood did give you that kind of you weren't like Strood has a lot of like the same kind of like depressed urban area problems. It's not massively built up. It's got a whole load of terraced housing, like terraced housing in the old part. It's got. I grew up on like a what must have been constructed in the sixties, like an old housing estate, Earl Estate, um, on the other side. It's bordered by the A two, yeah, uh, the road from uh, Canterbury up to London and and further on. It's based on Watling Street, the old Roman, the old Roman road. Um, but you could, it was pretty easy to get out into like farmland mm. and things like that. And like, I that was something that I, I really liked. I don't think it had, it didn't have, it never had one particular character, it like urban or rural. Do you know mm. what I mean? It was mm. so, it was quite close to, like you say, the the like traditional Kent. Like, you go up to Cobham, which mm. is like this. 2000 year old village and mm. that's a proper thatch roofy place you could walk there in like 40 minutes mm. it was it was no problem like but no, you'd no hardly ever would well i did more well, often i did you wouldn't really need you wouldn't really want to. i did more often than most because i was in scouts and mm. so there was hiking and all that kind of thing and mm. you'd plan routes and and things like that but like i think maybe it gets sublimated because what the only thing that Rochester and Medway had going for it after that was like tourism, heritage tourism. Mm-hmm. So there's you went festivals. from yeah. There's a lot of there's sweeps festivals, which sweeps festival is for it's Morris dancing, pagan as fuck. Um, um, there's a lot of Morris dancing, a lot of blackface. Yep. Um, and then you have Dickens Festival, Dickfest. Yep. Um, which is. <clears throat> Just cringy as all hell. I have not been to any of those in years. Um, the main thing I remember about, about Digfest is um, actors from Amdram societies <laughs> climbing up lampposts to read bits of Dickens while I just wanted to go get pissed. Um, and the main thing I remember about Sweeps is, again, wanting to go get pissed but having to navigate around fucking 
Morris dancing troops, which I'm, I'm sure that's why I hate them. The great thing about that was it was council sponsored the Sweets Festival. Mm. Um, and like you would get local kids to dress up as chimney sweeps and mm. collect money for charity and whatever. But it was also um, early on in the spring, so it had a uh, like neo pagan element to it. You can still see videos where the local pagan society, again, sponsored, kind of half sponsored by the council, go up to Bluebell Hill and um, enact like the the birth of the sun. Um, and part of the official sweets festival is you have the Jack in the Green, like the Green Man, yeah. who like runs around after a woman mm-hmm. <laughs> at the head of a load of like basically steampunk Morris dancers. Um, yeah, there's, there's there's loads of them, and there's like yeah. there's the, the like with all Morris dancing groups, there's like the very traditional ones, mm. there's the ones that try and judge it up a bit. The weird thing was, it was after I left and then got together with my now wife. Her father is an avid folk dancer, <laughs> um, specifically Molly now, which is the blackface one. Um, but he used to do Morris a lot, and him and his friends had been to the Sweeps Festival. Yeah. And the thing that he said was, oh yeah, you shouldn't ever be there after dark. And that's what the Morris troops were saying to each other. <laughs> I mean, they've already got sticks. Yeah, they've got <laughs> sticks and those swords and all that stuff, and their bells. <laughs> Yeah, it's um, but yeah, tourism it became tourism its... became a thing. Yeah, um, it was never as with most places, it never fully replaced what had what had been lost by the closure of the dockyard. Tourism is a terrible replacement for round the year work. Yeah, yeah, because that kind of seasonal work is not great. Mm. Um, but it's got like a Norman, it's got like a Norman connection. It's got heavy Victorian connection. Mm. It's got like the Tudor connection with the um, with the dockyard because a lot of like Henry VIII's boats were built there. They, I remember every so often they did. They used to do it more, put a load of money into trying to lure people down there. Mm-hmm. I remember an advertising campaign on the tube with the Med is closer than you think, and with pictures of Rochester Castle. Yeah. And each time it would just make me piss myself because like <laughs> it's just like the Med. Just like stop. I tell you what does actually uh, it what marks it out as not being a town but as a smattering of towns and maybe maybe kind of psychologically affects you slightly more than you might think especially as in terms of like getting tourists in there Mm. it doesn't have one focal point Mm. towns does not have it starts in street yeah but it's rochester but rochester doesn't have a a focal area it's got the high street Mm. but that's not an area where a lot of people can naturally gather it's not a town square is what i'm saying it's not Castle um, Gardens, they focus a lot of stuff on Castle Gardens. Um, you know, they do their big fairgrounds. Yeah, I guess. But the problem is, like, that's the thing. Whenever they do tourist stuff, where, where, where are they trying to attract people to? Are they trying to attract people to mm. to, to Strew to see... I don't know what you'd see in Strew. Or are they trying to get people to... I mean, Temple to... Manor is literally the only the only historical yeah. thing in Strew. Um, but, you know, like, are they trying to get people to go to Chatham or Gillingham? No, yeah. they're just getting them to go to Rochester High Street. There's mm. a very specific bit of Rochester. Yeah, you can walk down in ten minutes. Hmm. And you get like a load of old timey stores mm. and you know fudge shops and things like, like a, that. It's yeah. like a tiny Canterbury. Yeah, yeah. And that's not enough to build the economy of four towns, two hundred eighty thousand people around. Yeah. The other the other angle of it was that's happened more recently uh, is either the university, which seems to have had some success, or attracting better shops. Mm. So like, uh, Strood has. Um, a commercial estate that used to have 
like a carpet warehouse, uh, B&Q that had been there forever, and they built like a Matalan. The Matalan burnt down in mysterious circumstances, um, and they replaced it with half a KFC and half a... I think they are going to get now... My mum told me this over the phone in, like, hushed tones. It's like, <laughs> they're getting an M&S food hall. Oh, fuck's sake. <laughs> and it's like... But that's that's so perfect for Medway because yeah. which shop which, what would you like to open up in Medway? I don't know. I'd like a branch of the failing company yeah. to open up. <laughs> That'll be the thing that finally turns it all around. Medway is you a can... town on the grow. <laughs> you step around the corner and you go to the fourteen estate agents, a Safeway, and a uh, a load of head shops. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was it. That was the, uh, it just reminded me the reason why um, Medway got in the news again. Was in Strood. That was where they um they refused to serve a black person. Oh yeah, in the McDonald's there. Yeah, God, I remember when that McDonald's was built. Mm-hmm. It's a great day. I remember, yeah, Not going anymore. specifically yeah. to it. Yeah. Um, but yeah, yeah, so there's a heavy amount of Brexit racism in that place. Yeah, there was um there was an interesting <laughs> article before I knew who Dan Hodges was. Mm. Uh, back in the days when Rochester got its most uh, political uh, coverage during that 2014 by-election. Dan Hodges uh, did his I'm going to the country thing. For Rochester. Um, But he did it from, I can't remember what it was in. It must have been in the Telegraph, actually. I think it might have been in the Telegraph. Yeah. Um, He did a, like, uh, a liberal article of going down and asking everybody where were all the immigrants because the... uh, the papers had decided that the by-election, Mark Reckless defecting to UKIP and the risk that the Tories would lose um, a seat there was entirely due to the Sangat levels of races, <laughs> of uh, immigrants yeah. that were flooding into Rochester and Medway. Yeah. Um, and his angle was he would go round and ask everybody mm. where all the immigrants were. Um and like not to somebody at the end does say, Yeah, you're in Rochester now. Have you been to Chatham and Strood? Mm. And he just says no. I mean, that wouldn't have helped because also like Rochester and Strood are not the places if you're an immigrant that you stop. Mm. Like, aside from, you know, the 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 vastly overblown like reporting of numbers of migration, mm. like actual patterns of migration tend to be like uh, far more clustered in London and things mm. like that. Places where you can actually, you know, well, make money. Mm. Um but yeah, this attitude of like Rochester is the cosmopolitan heart, and naturally that's where the liberal commentator would go. Yeah, of course it is. <laughs> of course it is. Because if Dan Hodges had tried to wander around Chatham High Street, he would have had a very bad time. <laughs> but it has had a turn. I mean, it's always had a kind of like the the closest, probably in stereotype, I would say, is probably Essex. As much as it pains me to do so, it's a reasonable amount of like white flight mm. um from from london so like the natural accent of most of kent is a kind of like farmery drawl and the accent of kent is a no, kind of a proper estuary thames estuary yeah thames estuary kind of pigeon cockney kind of thing yeah it is very much that yeah um and you can you know you can tell when you go there i grew up with a load of most of my friends in primary school their dads supported Chelsea and you know there were a few who were members of Combat 18 mm. and you used to see that kind of thing around there as far as like socialist organisations I know there are some mm. but I mean I was like wasn't 
politi- as political. No, like, I don't. In in a formal sense, I didn't know fuck what was what was what when no, I was like that young. Um, but I, I don't. Well, I actually went down to Medway just in the weekend before the by-election, and there was a pretty significant anti-far turnout because it was also the one that um, Britain First had decided yeah. would be their big coming-out party. Yeah, it's um, it's weird as well because I think that's a lot of it. It's like students and stuff like that would be where that's coming from. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, that's a nice description of um where we grew up, like a weird, almost. South Wales pit town level of poverty, but within forty minutes of London, <laughs> and still not really becoming a commuter hub because it's there's just it's not enough there to even be a commuter hub. It's too expensive as well. Um, the the train in the order trains to, are expensive. the trains no, are even no when that, that, that article the last article that talked about it it was even factoring in that it was the cheapest place. Because the houses are so cheap there. Yeah. But they're cheap there for a reason. Yeah. But yeah. Um, so yeah, that's a nice... Just telling... Do you know... Teaching you all about that place where we grew up, which has had an enormous amount of influence on us, I think. Like, definitely, I, I'm pretty certain that an awful lot of our dislike and distrust of Blair, well, mine specifically, was way before... Like, even though I was quite young... Was before the war. I ended up not being scared of like the hard, the like the hard bitten north. Somehow, like I know I didn't live in the north. I lived yeah. in the fucking Midlands. Mm. But like all of the like, I wasn't. I wasn't bothered. It was a much nicer place to like exist on the street mm. than it was in in Medway. Mm. But you know? yeah, um, I have. It's very rare. I feel even slightly intimidated in various <laughs> bits of London. Compared to those estates, yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, I have, I have, never in London have I had a child pull a knife on me. Yeah. yeah. Um, also, I've never been egged. Never... I've never been egged in London. <laughs> I've I nev- got egged. Yeah. When I was a kid, <laughs> I've never heard from a car. I've never heard from someone in London um, the experience of having a pimp pull a fork on them to demand that they hire. A sex worker. <laughs> I've never heard that story about someone in London. Have heard that about Medway. <laughs> but yeah, so yeah. But yeah. Um, there well, is there's one of our most famous, uh, one of our favourite like local personalities from Medway, who we kind of still like keep well, in with. There's a thing. There's a thing that we do, especially when we're getting together with our old friends. Is we get to a specific level of drunk and or high. Yeah. And then it started with me and Matt ages ago, of just looking at videos about Chatham on YouTube for some reason and then we found middle age is the reason middle age middle aged anomie this has been going for years this was in our 20s yeah um, but there premature <laughs> middle age there is a person in Medway who's got a YouTube account mm-hmm. by the name of Benno mm-hmm. and you should go onto this YouTube account it is amazing yeah and because of this, you can literally, and because we've watched it for so long, we've managed to see this mat, this this young boy, go from being just a young lift enthusiast, categorizing the lifts in, in Chatham. In, introduce him with his proper uh, gravitas. His early videos were 
that thing. They are the lift enthusiast. Yeah. The Tyson Krupp, the Otis, yeah. the buying lift keys off the internet. Well, no, he didn't do that until um, until a lot a lot later. Oh, yeah, yeah. At first, it was just diagrams of the lifts in like the Pentagon Center yep. and the in-shops. Reviews. And going to the Tesco yep. and going up the lifts, talking about them, complaining about them being quite shoddy and not well, very well looked after. Yeah. But then something happened. And I think the thing that happened was puberty um, because then... Then he got lift keys, and he got he started hacking the the the, the um the yeah. computer parts of the lifts, and then he became a very bad boy. <laughs> and then he started doing things like yeah, hacking the lift so it would say rude messages on the thing, <laughs> like when you press the buttons and things like that. Until where we are at now, yeah, which is the last time now, we visited. Yeah, the last time we visited Beto's YouTube channel, he's riding the tops of the central line. <laughs> <laughs> like climbing on tops of trains, hanging on the backs of trains. Um, but most importantly, we saw he was breaking into, um, well, running around the Savoy, ah, playing with their lifts. Important difference now. He's not breaking in. He's doing things like going into the Savoy Hotel lobby. I'm just walking in. Walking in and then just walking through and going around like all the floors, trying to get as far up to the top, trying to ultimately trying to get up to the roof, mm. like urbexing, like ur- urban exploration, mm. um, but in the Savoy, but not on abandoned buildings, mm. but on like like functional buildings. Yeah. So we so there was that one of him running around the Savoy, and then the other one was. Um, was it the Elephant and Castle, the big Elephant and Castle, the new Elephant Castle development. Yeah. yeah. And that one, I think they did break into that one. Mm-mm. Or did they just walk in? The door was unlocked. That's what they were like. That's what they were saying. Like, I, I have a few friends who've done like urban exploration, mm. and and you know, it's try to get to the highest point in an abandoned building. Yeah. Um, trespassing isn't a, a crime until you get asked to leave. If you don't leave, then it's a, a crime. But mm-hmm. if there's something open, if a door is open or if a window is open, um, you can go in. And until you get asked to leave, you're not actually committing a crime, mm. right? If you break a window or you force a lock, that's breaking and entering and that is a crime. Mm. So there's an important distinction there. Yeah. So then Beto was, and his mates were running around mm. um, the Elephant and Castle new development, um, including then being chased by the um, security because they were trying not to get caught by them. Yeah. And then like hang, cam- hanging out on top of the lift. Yeah. And they were watching them. This half-built building with, like, all the lift shaft is exposed. The lift Mm. is there and working, but it's all exposed. It's all covered in, like, that plastic coating. And by this point, he is so far down the dark arts of lift enthusiast. (laughs) Enthusiasms? (laughs) He's down the dark arts of lift magic. And he is, like, they know how to get onto the tops. They know how to control them from the tops. Yeah. So they're going up and down, and they're watching the other lift as they're trying to be caught. As the security guards are going up the other lift, they're going down on the other It's, like, I know, you know, this is a this is a, a dangerous, dark path that our boy Benno has gone down. Hmm. But I've got to say, breaking into that fucking shit and... We've talked about it before, like the the like privatization of public space mm. and the restriction of the places you are allowed to be mm. and allowed to exist. Um, it's very claustrophobic in London. It it just seems to be getting worse, and you can even be in an open area and you're not entirely sure what corporation controls the rules and regulations of how you're ex- allowed to exist. Yeah, and something I've always really liked about um, urban exploration, and I the, I kind of like about 
what Benno is doing is going into these places and feeling free to go around them and 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 be in them that's like recovering that space as a place you can exist as like a citizen as yeah. a, an individual is is really I, it's a really something on a half constructed building or the roof of a tube on the central <laughs> that's just foolishness that freaked me out that so was much. that's a fucking nightmare because like he was i mean it was it was when um, one of the, one of the bits of the outside bits of uh, the, the the central line route but it's like you know you're going to die mm-hmm. you will you will die mm-hmm. if you do that mm-hmm. um, i mean there's a certain to be fair, it is something I've seen with people I've known from Medway. Like, you get a couple of beers in them, and there is a level of no fear of death. Um, I've seen people do such fucking oh, stupid things. I lost count of the amount of times I got stuck in the mudflats of the River Medway when the tide was out. And going home, I'm once I had to walk home to Walderslade from Strood. Yeah. With one shoe and covered in mud, like up to the waist. I would have been about ten. I probably did it again when I was like fifteen. I wanted to get down to the water, <laughs> laughing at me, just because I'm the muddy bedow. <laughs> Nobody wants to break open those public spaces because <laughs> no one wants that. No one, one there. No one wanted. The... <laughs> no one wanted the bit of sludge. <laughs> I did. <laughs> there was a shipping container in it. And I wanted to get to the shipping container. You could, I could never get to the shipping container. I'm sorry, dear listener. I never got to the shipping container. It's your rosebud. It is my rosebud. I lost so many shoes. It's your Everest. Yeah. yeah. You should um, definitely give Ben. Yeah, a watch. give Ben a give Ben a watch. I like. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I worry he's probably a racist. Yeah, I, I don't know. think I don't think you can like necessarily. I've on Twitter, but I haven't I've, I haven't had the courage to go. Have no, a I don't think likes. he's he's too he's he he's hasn't too got into the list. he hasn't got room in his heart for anything other than for this. anything other than a Tyson crop. Yeah, yeah. God bless him. Yeah. Hopefully he'll just he won't he'll stop with the riding on trains and carry on just breaking like invading our problems. hearts. Yeah, riding the lifts in our hearts. Yeah. In the house, the new house, the new build housing estate in our heart, <laughs> and eventually, when he gets knocked off a central line train and crushed, uh, are we riding that golden lift to the sky? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Give Ben a watch. Yeah, I might put a link to his YouTube in the um in the description in the um I'm, the description of the episode. Yeah, I mean it's public, so it doesn't. I don't think he wants. No, it's not yeah. locked. I think yeah. he wants more of an audience. Also, he's made two computer games about lifts. <laughs> Fuck, really? Yeah. Yeah. We thought we fabulous. Need to, need to have a look at them and play with them. Maybe we'll um do them and. Benno, them. come on! Don't talk about the weather. <laughs> I'd love them to come on. Talk about the lifts in the Pentagon Center. We'll Skype him in, but he'll have like a like a voice a voice disguise. A voice disguise. He doesn't use one on the thing. No. <laughs> yeah, we'll Skype him in. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. That's us for this week. Uh, you can subscribe to us on iTunes. You can follow us at wdtatw underscore podcast. You can follow me at BM Bergamo and follow Hugh at Tanner Smashing. And that's us for this week. Thanks. See ya. Bye. about the fighting game when